Hey Rebels, welcome to another edition of Rebel Parenting. I'm your host, Ryan Dobson, joined by my wife, Laura, and we have a great broadcast for you today. Our guest is Julie Manning. Let me read a little bit about her book because she is so fascinating and this story hit home. Julie Manning was in the middle of giving birth to her second child when doctors noticed an irregularity in her heartbeat. Within six weeks, tests revealed it was no one-time occurrence. This ultra-capable mom, wife, marathon runner, and pediatric nurse practitioner was in active heart failure, finding herself at risk for experiencing a sudden cardiac arrest. And let me tell you, folks, that hasn't gone away. This story is so powerful as Julie just kind of deals with the acceptance of this life-threatening disorder and... Oh my goodness, what a fascinating interview. We're going to jump to that in just one second, but are you following us on Facebook Live and on Instagram Stories? Because if you're not, you're missing out on the whole picture. There is so much going on. We are traveling. We're doing things this weekend while you're listening to this. I'm going to be in New Jersey at Coastal Christian Church in Ocean City at the men's conference. It's got Victor Marks, Matt Mayer, Kelly McAndrew, David Dunn. All of us are going to be there. So much fun. Love all of our friends out there in New Jersey. So... Sign up for the text alerts to find out all the things that we're doing and where we're going to be by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. And in the coming weeks, we got a brand new website launching. You don't want to miss that. But that's a bunch of wasting your time. Let's jump into the broadcast. Here is Julie Manning on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Julie, we just thank you so much for coming on the show today, and we're so excited to just dive into your story. It's such a powerful witness to the church and to other moms out there, so we just thank you for being on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's totally our pleasure. Julie, it would be so convoluted for me to try to tell your story, and it is your story, so I don't want to do that, but you've got to tell me, how does a a, a mom, a nurse, a triathlon... How did you end up in the hospital in heart failure? I mean, I've got to just dive straight into it. We don't have a ton of time. (laughs) I mean, you've got to tell that. It's crazy. Um, I still kind of think it's comical that it all happened this way, too. I think of the passions that the Lord gave me to even take me out of the world of finance, because that was my first bachelor's degree, Mm. to take me to nursing school, to cause my heart to fall in love with cardiology, and then, you know, be in a career where I'm taking care of, you know, pediatric heart patients that are coming out of surgery, and here I am, you know, seven years into that career and being diagnosed myself with a heart problem. Wow. Wow. What was that like? I mean, the Lord that, like, creates that type of journey, So. Sure. You've you got to tell me, I mean, you're a triathlete, and, I mean, obviously in great health, all these things going on, and then it just, the bomb gets dropped on you. You could have a heart attack any second. And then, I mean, to to go from that to have a pacemaker installed, I mean, as a mom, as a human being, as a, as a, as a runner, as a woman, psychologically, how did that land? Um, you know, it was very challenging. I think, you know, there's different you know, seasons or um, waves of grief um, or ways that you process through Mm. things, whether it's a new illness or, you know, a death of a loved one. Um, And I kind of went through some of those stages um, to get back to, you know, how I was diagnosed and everything. Basically, um, I had a 
bad heart rhythm um, in a routine cesarean section to deliver my second son. And the testing from that day, all the cardiovascular testing that day showed that everything looked normal. Hmm. However, the cardiologist was like, you know what, let's just be safe and let me see you in six weeks and make sure that things are still normal um, six weeks from now. Hmm. And so it was at that, you know, mark with, you know, a 22-month-old at home and a six-week-old at home that went into a... Um, outpatient visit and you know within an hour of getting home from that visit learned that my heart was failing and so that initial diagnosis of you know I've always been a very productive and capable woman Um, always was an achiever um, always tended toward being a perfectionist and so you know, I don't say those things in a manner of, you know, I'm this awesome person, but I definitely <laughs> yeah. fell into that category of, you know what, I'm doing pretty good living this life on my own. I don't, I believe in God, but I don't know if I necessarily need him every day because I'm pretty capable myself. Mm-hmm. And all of this was a wake up call to be like, oh my gosh, no, like Julie, you typically are the one taking care of others, but right, right now, you need people to take care of you and you need God to take care of you. And, and all that time that you didn't really think you needed the Lord, he was in there cause he knew that you'd need him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, I mean, I went through shock. I went through, um, depression and sadness. Mm-hmm. I went through, um, wanting to fight and to live. I wanted to, you know, do everything I could, and still today, like, cause I'm seven years out from that initial diagnosis, but mm-hmm. wanting to soak in every moment I have with my boys, um, all four of them now, um, three being my children and the fourth one being my husband. Um, <laughs> sometimes we say he counts as the fourth child, but we joke about that. Yeah. Totally, totally. Um, um, and so, yeah, it was it was challenging. It was really, really hard. Um, but the moment that I started switching from, you know, this is a diagnosis to this is actually happening to me was the moment when I woke up with red burn marks on my chest from having been shocked a couple times in the operating room, um, the day that my, or the day prior to having my defibrillator and pacemaker implanted. Um, It was, you know, there's too many times when I was working in the pediatric ICU that I had to be the one doing chest compressions or resuscitating a child. And here I was now having the visual that it was my body that needed that medical support, um, this side of heaven. And, and, and that was just a game changer for me. Felt like, you know, the wind got knocked out of me, you know, Mm -hmm. like swept from underneath me and, um, yeah, life will never be the same again. Life will never be the same again. Yeah, absolutely. Julie, can I ask about that specific point? Um, I'm talking to some people right now. There's a, a young mom and she's going through a divorce and she's dealing with that. You know, it's the, 
I thought I would never have to make this decision again. I thought my life would always be this way. And now it's a completely different life. I have to look at this thing that I thought I'd never have to think about again. Mm-hmm. And I have to think about everything again. How is that a daily struggle? How long did it take or, or can you get over it? Or does it just, is it one of those things every now and then you go, oh yeah, that's right. I have a pacemaker. This is a new life. You know, even seven years in. Um, it's for me, it's daily. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I feel my heart, um, beating funny every day oh, really? throughout the day. And so I'm reminded, you know, I'm reminded when I take my medicine in the morning at night, I'm reminded when, you know, just today I took our youngest son for a stroller ride and our, we don't live in a flat neighborhood in Austin, Texas. We live in a quite hilly one. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm reminded with shortness of breath. I'm, mm-hmm. and so I have those daily reminders and I think we all do, you know, regardless of our situation, we have those like, oh yeah, no, like this is my reality. Um, But how do I view that reality? What lens do I see it through? Do I see it through self-pity or do I see it through the lens of the gospel or do I see how God is actually using these circumstances for his glory and for Mm -hmm. my own good? And it took me for a while. I lived in that self-pity and wanted my life to be different. Yeah. Um, But at some point, I just had to, frankly, just surrender everything and be like, God, I just trust you. You know, sometimes I read the Bible and, you know, those that don't believe the Bible think that the Bible is foolishness. But at the end of the day, I could read this and with my logical brain go, you know, some of this stuff does kind of sound like foolishness, but you know what? I just believe it. Yeah. I just deep down in my core, I just believe that it's true. And if I believe this is true, then I actually have to live life as if it's true. And I have to believe that what Romans eight twenty eight says mm-hmm. is actually true over my own life, not just for Paul and the Romans back in the day, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um. And so it's just, it's the lens in which I view every day, even though I'm reminded every day that, you know, life is fleeting and I may not be guaranteed tomorrow, but at the end of the day, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Totally. Well, Julie, I watched some of your uh, YouTube videos. Um, Mm -hmm. As a mom, I would just love to hear your take on being intentional with your children. It seems like through this experience, you're just really clear about your vision for your children. Because that was emotional for you, Laura. You were watching those and you came in and you had tears oh, streaming down your face. tears. I'm like, this is going to be a heavy yeah, show. So. so I would just love to hear your your coaching or your tips for the moms out there. Mm-hmm. And we'll include um, links to those to those videos in the show notes. When you go to rebelparenting.org, you can click on those YouTube videos because they are really powerful. They're powerful. Yeah. So just share. I would love to just have our audience hear that. And for me personally to hear it too. okay well don't I just need to preface this by saying that I'm not perfect and I mess up all the time so do I that's our theme that's (laughs) That's normal yeah that's a very normal thing there's a lot there's a lot of confession going on in this house amen most of it it is me confessing to my children (laughs) not necessarily them confessing to me which they should be Julie Julie, let me interrupt because I had to do this on Facebook live just uh, a couple weeks ago, I had mm-hmm. talked about, I'm reading a book on the Stoics. So it's Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, things like that. And I was reading it to Lincoln and Lucy and I was talking about that on Facebook. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought, you know what? I need to go talk about that. And I went back on and said, listen, when I said that, 
For some of you, that creates a picture that's completely untrue. That I'm the sitting Dobson there with, household. Yeah, the Dobson household is my children sit at my feet while I read. Uh, you know, classical the, education. Classical yeah. Stoics to them. I go, listen, I feel like a bad parent most of the time. My five-year-old doesn't understand any of the Stoics. It's just that I'm obsessive <laughs> and I read it out loud to them. It's not that I'm a great parent and they're ingesting all this. So you are right in line with us. We are all rebel parents. We're all failing from time to time, if not on a regular basis. So please. We're just falling yeah. up. Yeah. But you are intentional and you're pointed in the right direction. And that's what we encourage our listeners to do. We're just thinking about it more to try to be a little bit better every day. Not perfect. You know, there's not a, an arrival point. We're just trying mm-hmm. to get a little better. And your intentionality is inspiring for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, so there's little things that I do from, you know, I want to write or I have I have written notes to the boys in their lunch boxes for years. Um, but I want to put in there God's word um, so that in the middle of the lunchroom where I don't know, did they get to sit by the cool Mm, kids today? Were they invited? Were they kicked off the table? You know, like I want them to know the truth of God is with them no matter what circumstance that they're going to face in the school year or or that school day. Mm. And so um, little things like lunch notes to them. Um, I, whenever our oldest two are a year and a half apart, just over that. And they are best frenemies is what we call them. They will, you know, bother each other and they'll fight a little bit, but then they'll still want to cuddle up next to each other for bedtime stories. <laughs> you know, you're like, how does this happen? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we have so, that too. <laughs> it's called kids. Yeah. It's called children. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh my goodness. And so, you know, just counseling them through, um, mm. you know, how how did that make you feel? We want to talk about our feelings. We don't always want to cry about them. Crying about our feelings is okay sometimes, but we want to learn to talk about them and, and be able to put words to what emotions you're feeling. Mm. Um, and so we talk a lot about, you know, our highs and lows for the day. What, you know, what made you happy? What made you sad? What put a smile on your face? What made your, you know, your heart like feel... That. Um, sad. And so like we do those types of things at the dinner table. And, you know, sometimes we'll notice that um, somebody doesn't want to share something at the dinner table. And that's okay, too. We give them a pass, but they know that we need to talk about it before bedtime. And so it's okay if, you know, if our oldest Noah is going through, you know, something happened on the playground that day, and he doesn't want to tell us about it at dinner, he can find me or he can talk to John, but he's going to tell us one of us before um, his head hits the pillow that night. Mm. Um, you know, you're teaching them awesome. too to communicate emotions, which is so important. You know, I, I was telling someone the other day, I was thinking about my grandpa, my mom's dad, who uh, dropped out of school in the seventh grade to work in the coal mines to support his 12 brothers and sisters. And he was in the CCCs and World War II, he was in the Navy he never talked about his mom passing away when he was in junior high. He never talked about his dad being an alcoholic or a bad dad. He just, he was a happy guy. You know, he didn't express those things. But today we're teaching our kids to express emotion and it's a healthy thing. And the way you're doing that with your kids of what made you happy today? What made you sad today? How do you yeah. feel? And and then sensing when one of them isn't really ready to share that and, and letting them 
be free to express it in their own time and in their own place. I think this is a healthy environment. I love this. Mm-hmm. Well, I, some very, you know, wise mentor in my, in my life has, you know, said that kids thrive when boundaries are there, right? Cause then they have the freedom to run mm-hmm. within the boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, with that highs and lows things that they know the boundary is bedtime, you know, it doesn't have to be the dinner table, you know? And, and so that has just created a freedom for them to be like, you know what, I have, I have three hours to share. I don't have to answer in the first five minutes that the question is posed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that way it, I just feel like it gives the kids time to be able to find the words because I mean, my kids are nine, seven and two mm-hmm. and they're all in different intellectual development. And, and so it's going to take, you know, my seven-year-old longer to find the vocabulary to describe something than it would my nine-year-old. And my two-year-old is just like, oh, my car's made me happy today. You know, yeah. <laughs> we're like, yeah. yay, I'm so excited your car's made you happy. Um, and so anyways. It's important too, because we talk about this when it comes to our marriages. I'm a verbal processor. I talk for a living. I used to do a live radio show an hour a day, five days a week. And when Laura and I would get into an argument, I would want to talk the entire thing out right then. And I had the ability to, I could talk for five or six hours. It's no big deal. Mm -hmm. And Laura's like, Hey, you need to give me some time to think about this. You think on your feet, you do this for a living. You got to back off, man. And it was like, Oh, that's right. And I need like 48 hours. So we, we invest, we started this buy win. So it just helps me because now he can just give me a buy win. Buy win will we talk about this? Right. So it's still mm-hmm. it's still on the table, but we don't I don't have to decide then. And so then it just allows us to have that freedom even with our children. Yeah, I love that you're talking about it with kids because how would my kids at 10 and 5 have anywhere near the ability to to process verbally, non-verbally, and you know, intellectually the things that are going on. We I've got to give them more space and more time and and I think sometimes with my kids, I've got to let them not try to be me. They don't have to process mm-hmm. it like I do. You can do it in your own time, in your own space, in your own mm-hmm. way. You can be more like mom. You can be more like somebody else. You can be more like yourself. Yeah, celebrating their own personhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, something else that we do um, or we are intentional um, to the kids is we want to overlay the gospel of Jesus over the varying situations that we face with them as parents, um, whether it's overlaying the gospel over myself so that I don't beat beat myself up all the time, but I give myself grace and I ask the Lord for forgiveness for, you know, disciplining out of anger when it should have been disciplining out of love. And only I know that my kids don't know that, but then I can go back and confess to them that like, no, mommy, mommy, raised her voice because I was angry and I should have taken a time out and I should have come back with you in love and I could have done that a whole lot better, you know? Um, and that's easy to do as a parent and, and we like doing, oh, no, that's... Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh my goodness, it's so I know, it's important but because I know, you're setting if, them up for success. You're saying, listen, parents fail too. We make mistakes too. You know, early on with Lincoln, I created this environment where he felt like he had to get it right the first time. And I'm combating that as often as I can because I never get it right the first time. But yet somehow in my great wisdom as a parent, I put that pressure on him and I've got to go, oh man, it's totally okay. You can right. mess up over and over. Everybody, that's that's the most important part of success is accepting failure. Yeah. 
Well, we don't, don't want to raise a bunch of children that behave perfectly. We want to raise children who have a heart to love Jesus and know that they're not perfect, mm-hmm. and that's why they need Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and if they are in love with Jesus and they're seeing the importance of reading God's Word and learning God's Word and applying His Word in their life, then to me, that's that's like the best thing I can ask for, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I say all of these things and I share all these things with you, but I need y'all to know too that like the most important thing that John and I ever do for our kids is pray for them and pray over them hmm. because we know that the Holy Spirit yeah. is who is going to create all of these changes within our kids. For sure. You know, as they yeah. grow up. So do you have a set prayers that you do or is it, do you follow a, a prayer book or what, how does that look for you guys? Um, so at bedtime, John often, so our oldest two share a bedroom and then our youngest one is in his own bedroom right now. And the two-year-old obviously goes to bed before the seven and nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. And so like we'll do bedtime together Um you know, with our two-year-old right now, the routine is typically we pick up one of the children's Bibles. We read, you know, children's Bible story, which he's fascinated on Noah right now. So it's like he only knows Noah in the Bible. He's yeah. like, oh, there's animals, right? <laughs> You're like, okay, we're going to do Noah again tonight for yeah. the hundredth night in a row. Um, and then, of course, there's probably a Curious George book in there, too. And, you know, Star Wars, because he's two and he has older brothers. So, yeah. you know, we read, we read some books, but then... Um, John will pray um, the Lord's Prayer mm. with Joshua, and he has been learning to say it along with John. Um, and then honestly, like, I'm on the floor praying silently okay. as John is praying out loud um, mm. with Joshua. And I am just begging the Lord to just awaken Joshua's soul to come to know him and love him and that he would make him a mighty warrior that he would give him strength and courage and the desire to learn and teach his word. Like that's, that's your prayer. And so, um, Amen, I, Mama. Just, I pray that, you know, not only over Joshua, but over Noah and Hunter when, mm-hmm. you know, we're upstairs, you know, in their bedroom now tucking them in and now they're <laughs> reading the stories to us because they're readers and love to read. And, you know, it's the same kind of thing. I just, beg the Holy Spirit to awaken them. And I know that um, one day, Lord willing, like they will want to profess their faith and their faith will become their own versus what mommy and daddy believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right now my prayers are mostly focused on on that, that God would give them a saving faith. Mm. I woke up in the middle of the night last night and it was right around midnight and I came downstairs and our son sleepwalks every now and then. I, I, I am a sleep talker, a sleepwalker. I'm a restless <laughs> sleeper. And so he inherited it and it just struck me. I was up at midnight and he got up and he was walking around the house, eyes open, looked like he was awake and I could tell. And I said, let's go back to bed, buddy. And, and he goes, what? You know, and <laughs> he walked back up to bed and then never spoke a word again was sound asleep. <laughs> and I just went to their rooms and prayed to the Holy spirit that they would intervene in his life and it would intervene in Lucy's life. And it's just mm-hmm. so important to remember it. It was just, I'm so glad you said it because it reminded me that I was 
it's not every night, but it ought to be every night. It ought to be every time they go to bed. And I love that reminder. Mm. Hey, Julie, in the book, yes. we love vulnerability. It's what makes it, it's it's what allows us to change. And mm-hmm. you share letters to your boys in the book, and these are private and they're vulnerable. Um, can you tell why you shared those? And uh, and what what are you hoping with those letters? You know, as your boys get older and they look back on them as they become adults and they rediscover them again, what's your goal with that? Well, I will say that writing the book and writing everything in the book felt like a step of obedience for me. I am Mm. a fly on the wall kind of girl. I'm not the life of the party kind of girl. And so um, I said yes to sharing this story because I felt the conviction of the Lord to share the story. Mm -hmm. And so... I can honestly sit here and say I shared everything in the book because out of obedience to the Lord so that I can look at his eyes one day when I get to heaven and be like, I said yes to what you asked for me to do. I did it. Yeah. And and so um, I do, I didn't share everything (laughs) in the book as far as vulnerability goes. Um, I didn't share everything that I write to the boys. Um, I keep journals for each one of them, and I write in them about once a month. Um, And so the letters that were shared in the book were kind of a combination of things that I had written to them over the last few years in their journals, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, But when, when you're told by a doctor that you're at risk for a sudden cardiac death, and they put the defibrillator inside your chest wall. Mm. You just kind of see the brevity of life in front of you. Oh, I'm sure Um, the level of urgency just shoots through the roof. Yes. And so, you know, we, you know, John and I are in, you know, have a large circle of friends and we've had, you know, two, two friends pass away in the last few months um, from metastatic breast cancer. And they were mommies of young children, and um, it's just hard. Like, you want to run this race that God has given you with courage and with strength and with um, humility and with endurance. And sometimes the races look very different than your next-door neighbors, um, but we all have races to run. And so I don't know if the Lord is going to give me 40 years on this earth or if he's going to give me 84 years on this earth. That's up to him, and he's already got those days written. Yeah. But if he takes me home tonight, then I wanted the boys to know their mommy, and I wanted the boys to know how the Lord worked in my own heart. Mm. And with the hopes that they will see, you know what? The Lord wants to work in their life too. Yeah. Because I don't know what hard they're going to face as they grow up. Mm. None of us do, right? You want, you want your kids to like, you know, have, be protected from hard things. You want them to thrive. You want them to succeed. But 
if we can grasp the fact that God might actually work deeper and and in their hearts through the disappointments and through the hard, we might view hard things differently um, because the hard things actually reveal our need, not necessarily the need for the Lord, um, but like our faith in the Lord, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so. Oh. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like what we've been talking, I'm sitting here, tears rolling down my face. Just, I think somehow that I have learned over the years is that the struggle or the pain or anything you're going through is also from him too. Like it's okay to struggle. And I don't know yeah. whether I believe the lie that, oh, now I'm a Christian. I should have this perfect good life. La, la, la. No struggles. And that just hasn't been the reality. Um, no, it's not the reality. It's not the reality. Not for anyone. But just yeah. to find the glory of him in the struggle and in the battle. Mm-hmm. 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 And I know that he's worth it. For sure. Like, I wouldn't, I would not change anything um, from the last you know, seven years of just heart health. Like I wouldn't change any of it. Yeah. And because I am jealous really? to be in heaven. Hmm. I'm so jealous. Like yeah. I, I just know that like there's, I only have so many days here. We all do. We all, all of us have only, you know, the days that the Lord is going to give us yeah. and we need to fight and run hard and um, crawl. <laughs> Crawl, yeah, and crawl. crawl. Sometimes it's crawling, and sometimes it's just weeping on your face. Yeah, but and and that's okay because God is with us always. For you sure. know, regardless of how much we feel His presence, like His His presence is is near us always, and so um, He's real and He's better, and and the glory that will be received in heaven far outweighs anything this side of earth that we could face, even the most devastating of circumstances. Definitely. I'm going to have to ponder on that one for a while. I, I was born with an autoimmune disease. I've not really Mm -hmm. discussed it a lot on, um, social media or public. Yeah. I've not really discussed it a whole lot anywhere. Um, but it's caused tons of problems throughout my life and it's been debilitating. And in 2013, I was pretty near going into a coma from it. And, um, I look back, I wouldn't take it away if I didn't wind up where I am right now, but I certainly wouldn't want to go through it again. And I did a bunch of experimental treatments and it looks like it's gone. The doctors tell me that it's not gone. It will hundred percent come back. So Julie, as someone that, you know, I know that struggle. I know the, that day after day, waking up feeling weak and feeling sick and having a child that's so young that doesn't understand, oh, you can't catch this sickness. Yes, daddy's sick all the time, but you can't catch it. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be around me. And and that, can you talk to parents who either are struggling with long-term illness or they've got, I know one of our listeners, her husband's in the military and her parents are now in long-term illness and she's struggling how to talk to her kids about it and how to deal with it herself. And do you have encouragement for people? I mean, I know for me, it was just, it's, it's a minute by minute time, you know, at times where it's just, Oh, I'm going to get to the next minute. But how do you do that? I mean, how do you do that on a minute by minute basis? And how do you stretch that into maybe an hour and then a day and, and longer? <laughs> um, crying out to the Lord in prayer, mm-hmm. um, asking, <laughs> 
I ask the Lord all the time, Lord, will you just give me eyes to see things the way that you see them? Mm. Because Mm. I can't always see how you're working. I can't always Mm. feel that you're working through this, but I trust that you are because you're in, you're in all of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, you know, I used to have a brain that would be able to recall scripture <laughs> more easily than it does now. Mm-hmm. And so I have to keep script- scripture actually physically written places to remind me of what God's truth says and what God's promises are. Um, and the truth of scripture is that we will face hardship this side of heaven. So we shouldn't be surprised by the hard things of this life and thus, also, God is not surprised by them. Right. You know, God's not surprised right. by a new diagnosis. God is not surprised by um, an, an illness that is terminal. Like, the, none of it catches by the Lord by surprise. He is trustworthy. Yeah. And or is he worried about know, it? He's not going, oh, no, Julie's got a yes. heart condition. What am I going to do? Yeah. He's hey, not confused up there. Yeah. 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 You know what? He's still God. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I, in a way... I think this is the living out when I am weak, then I am strong because really what I want is to not be weak. And I am, I, I was born with a disease. It, it, it debilitated me. I was so incredibly weak. And what I want is to not be weak. But the Lord says, when you're at your weakest, then you're strong. And when you mm-hmm. admit that you're weak and when you admit that you can't do it on your own, and when you admit that you don't have the strength to carry on for another minute, then you are strong because our strength really is. Mm-hmm. In the, and I'm saying this to myself because yeah. I'm so bad yeah, at sure. it. Ugh. Well, and where does our hope lie? Yeah. You know, is our hope in, in a cure? Is our hope in better finances? Is our hope <laughs> in, you know, re- reconciliation with a relationship? Our hope has to be in the unseen. Mm-hmm. And when your hope is in the unseen, like we can wait eagerly with perseverance through today and tomorrow and the next day, knowing that one day everything will be restored as how God intended it to be, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so for me, like, cause there are days that I struggle and there are days when I wish things were differently. And <laughs> the days that I struggle are, are the days when my eyes are focused more on Julie Mm. Um, or focus more on my kids yeah, or my husband, John, um, then it, it actually is in the hope of my Savior and the hope of Christ and the fact that his blood has paid the price and that we will be eternally with him in heaven one day. Mm-hmm. So um, suffering's hard. There's nothing easy about it. And you know, I've said this before to friends is that, you know, if, if there was a line to sign up for suffering, like no one would be in that line because no one wants to go through it. Um, but some of my deepest, most intimate times with the Lord have been at my very worst and yeah. my biggest struggle. Oh, yeah. And in the suffering. That's sure. totally my because belief. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to look back on our lives. And the worst, the time that we are at our lowest, I think will be the time of that we look back on the greatest fondness because it's when we truly surrender surrender the Lord. It's, yeah. at, it's at our absolute lowest point. You've got a section in your book 
that talks about God's ways are higher than our ways. And I think sometimes that's the most important thing we can remember in the struggle is God doesn't make mistakes. He has not forgotten where you are. He's not going, oh my goodness, wait, you're you're out of money. Oh my, I'm so sorry, I wasn't looking. I, what what yeah. do I, you know, how do we, how did that play out with your adoption of learning that the Lord's ways are higher than yours, that we don't have to, and we see through a glass darkly, he's still God, we're still human. Oh my goodness. If you could just see little Joshua, I mean, in hindsight, everything's clear, right? Right. <laughs> and, oh my goodness, like this baby boy was supposed to be in our family from the beginning of time. And all of these circumstances work together, you know, for Joshua's good, for our good, and for God's glory. Mm. And um, absolutely. Now, it was... I mean, I doubted that was a hard, <laughs> a hard season of doubt for me is that, you know, people in the world kept saying no, the voices of the world kept saying no. Mm. And, and, but in my gut, I was like, but our family's not done. So mm. I'm really confused, Lord, because we're tech, you know, like we thought we heard from you. And when I say heard from you, like just through what God says in his word that we're supposed to take care of the orphan and, you know, feeling led, like we're supposed to be a part of that. And, um, and so we're like, I mean, literally up until like hours before he was actually born, I was like, God, did we miss up? Like, did we Mm. miss, did we miss what you're asking from us? Mm -hmm. Because I'm pretty sure like we prayed and prayed and prayed and waited and waited and waited. And we really, feel like we're, we're taking the step of faith, but there's still no ground for our foot to fall on. Mm-hmm. Like it still looks like this big cliff that we're about to go off of. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> my goodness, like <laughs> the Lord was just like, Hey, Julie, <laughs> your timing's not my timing. And if you'll just hold off for a little bit longer, you'll realize that tomorrow you're going to get a phone call, mm. you know, but that afternoon, the day before, I was like, Lord, we miss it. Surely, surely you were in this, right? Yeah. Still asking. And he's like, can you just be patient? Like, the fruit of my spirit is no, love, joy, patience. Yeah. Can you, let's, let's, you know, focus back on what the Holy Spirit wants to do right now with you. Allow him to bring you peace and patience in this. Mm. And we got that phone call the very next day and I look back and I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like I was a mess. I still a mess today, you know, but I mean, we try to have things all figured out, but God's ways are higher than our ways. His Mm. thoughts are not our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness, because I don't want to know what Julie thinks. I need to know what God thinks, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Laura and I were trying to adopt and, the home study is maybe the most stressful part of the adoption, aside from when you receive your baby. Everything up until right. that, you know, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's all kinds of things you're thinking about and forms you're filling out. But when someone comes to professionally judge you, which is what a home study is, <laughs> they have a, a person who is paid to come scrutinize every aspect of your life to see if you're fit 
-hmm. to bring a child into your home, regardless of if you have whether kids you or have not. ten kids or not. Yeah. You're like, wait. <laughs> and that's <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it was ten minutes. We had gone. We had bought every safety thing. We've covered every plug. I mean, everything. And five minutes before our home study person arrives, Laura goes, "Oh no, Ryan!" And I said, "What?" And she goes, "You have dead animals all over the walls." I'm a hunter. <laughs> And I didn't understand. And I go, yeah, so what? And she goes, it means we have guns. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my goodness. We, and we don't have any guns, people. Just kidding. Yeah. But I just thought. It, we, we rent the rifle. Yeah, go we rent nothing. it. Yeah, they gave it to us no, at no, the lodge. No, was, just uh, kidding. It, it's our rescue taxidermy. I mean, what do you say? I was honestly trying to pull them down. I was going to put them in the garage. I mean, there's nothing you can do. It's not like one or two trophies. We're we're talking a whole house of heads. It was a lot. Oh, even y'all know I'm yeah. from Texas. Okay, yeah. good. Right? Yeah, exactly. I'm staring. I'm staring at an elk and a deer head on my wall good right now. Good for you. Oh, we got to come oh, hang yeah. out. Nice. Oh, we got a bear, <laughs> an elk, and a couple of oh, animals, dads. You know. Yeah. Oh, it was your house flooded in the middle of this. I mean, it's that I I just I can just imagine when that person arrives and you're saying. I promise it doesn't I'm a always good look mom. this way. I can show you photos. <laughs> this happened. And, and you see the look on the person's face. Oh, sure, you were flat. You know, oh, oh my goodness. Uh. And just asking the Lord, Lord, come on. Mm. I mean, it's hard enough to go through this. And the Lord's saying, listen, I don't make mistakes. And we consciously know that. We know that in our brains. But man, the journey from our brains to our hearts is so long at times to go, oh, that's right. All this is here for a reason. All this is here for a purpose. This is all designed by our creator. Julie, my goodness. Mm. This has been a thrill. Faith. Just never stop asking the Lord for more faith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's a right? perfect. Because yep. faith is that gap between what God's doing and our how our brains process it. Mm. Yeah. Totally. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. We so appreciate you coming on. The book is amazing. We absolutely adore it. You have just been so great. The book is called My Heart. Every beat surrendered to our unchanging God. Oh, Rebels, we are out of time for today, but my goodness, I was blessed by that broadcast. Julie Manning, so honest, so vulnerable, so wise, that spoke to me. I hope it spoke to you. If you know somebody that's got long-term illness or has a spouse or a child or or family member or a friend of long-term illness, this book might be for them or a link to the podcast. You know, send out links. That's how we grow. I see those reviews. I see the updates. I see you guys doing that, and we appreciate you for it. Again, watch me live on Facebook, Monday and Friday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern, facebook.com slash Dobson. Find out about that by signing up for the text alerts. Text the word REBEL to 444-999. I love you all. God bless. See you next week.